0: We are actually closing down a series that we have been in all month. Um, So uh, we're glad to have you join with us. This is week number four of a series that we have called Pretty Ugly People. Pretty Ugly People. And uh, we've looked at some stories that Jesus talked about in the Gospels where he really challenged those of us that were believers that sometimes have a really good outside look, but sometimes there's things that are not so good, not so good looking on the inside. And so we've challenged some of the reactions, characteristics that that sometimes evade even into the house of God. And so I'm so glad that you have been with us over these last couple of weeks and that you'll be here today, and and as you heard, that we're going to close. Close this series again with a time of of communion. And I'll explain a little bit more about that in just a moment about how we can really ask Jesus, not again that we are so concerned about the outside, but that we're going to let Him have a real opportunity to help clean us up on the inside as well. When we read through the gospel stories, we realize that a lot of the religious leaders that Jesus had interaction with is that they were all about the outside. They wanted the praise of man. They wanted to look good on the outside, but Jesus always wanted to turn the conversation about our heart. He wanted to get into the deep parts of our life where it really, really matters. And so in Mark chapter 7, that's been the jump-off point for us about what we want to talk about in this entire series. And so as this was uh, battle was going on, the, these religious leaders were kind of uh, bringing these situations to Jesus, a crowd was starting to form. And they wanted to know what was Jesus' response uh, to what was taking place. And this is what we read about. If you want to follow along today, again, Bailey mentioned our Real Life app. Uh, if you want to either download that or those of you that have it, we're going to put some things up on the screen to help you engage a little bit more. But there's a lot more that you'll see under the circle or just kind of go through with what we've talked about today all week long. Mark chapter 7, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can do this? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of their body. And then he went on and said, "'What comes out of a person is what defiles us, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that we really have to examine.'" And so after these religious leaders were talking about really some small and petty things that they were trying to garner the crowd or trying to make this opposition between Jesus' teaching and theirs. Theirs all about the outside, all about making them look good in front of everybody else. And Jesus said, it's not about the outside, it's about the inside. And then he got even more direct with the crowd and with his disciples. He said, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, for it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In other gospels, Jesus called them whitewashed tombs, right, you look so good on the outside, but inside you're dead. It doesn't matter how you dress up the the tombstone, Right? It, it can look beautiful and everything else, but it's not about that. It's what's on the inside. It's still dead. And that's what Jesus was calling out to religious leaders of that day, and that's our challenge through this series as well. What would Jesus say about us? Listen, we can all dress up. We can all look good on Sunday or any day of the week, and that's not what Jesus is concerned about. Jesus is concerned about what's going on inside. It's not what comes in that defiles us. It's what comes from the inside out that defies us. I think you've probably heard for a lot of your life that the church is full of hypocrites. And and what we've said is, I, I don't think we're full of hypocrites, but let's be honest. There are some hypocrites here today. What is that? Well, the word hypocrites that we read about from the Gospels is defined as an actor who is playing a part, someone who is simply pretending. A hypocrite is a person who pretends to have certain beliefs about what is right, but their behaviors disagree with those beliefs. And so that's what we've been looking at all of this month. We talked about jealousy and envy, about greed, about anger, and we're wondering is what our mouth is saying, right, or what our outward approach to those things, does it really match up to how we are living and what is coming out of us? Are we a hypocrite in any of those areas? Are, are we kind of simply just playing a part? Are we a, a Christian actor, or are we going to allow these moments for Christ to come into our heart and make sure that we are clean, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Everybody say, I hear you, Pastor. Come on, come on, I hear you. All right. Some of these messages, I know you've gotten quiet on me. All right. Some I've, I've gotten some, you know, amens and shouts, and others I've got nothing. All right. And when I hear nothing, man, does that make me feel good. All right. I know we're touching on some stuff, and we've got some more that we're going to talk about today. So let me ask you a question as we get started this morning. Can any of you name one weapon? That has maimed or killed more people over the centuries than any other. In fact, all of you brought one in with you today. What did I hear? Yeah, your tongue. Your tongue. We're gonna to talk about words today and the things that come out of us with our words. How many of you have ever used? Ugly words before, you don't have to raise your hands. Where's Christy at? Don't raise your hand, Christy, all right? Focused or pointed out that our words were ugly. Often our words can be very recklessly spoken, and they carry more weight than maybe a lot of us truly understand or imagine. In fact, probably if we look at our world today, that there isn't a a week that goes by where there isn't some celebrity, some politician, some admired athlete whose words have gotten them into a lot of trouble. And what we need to understand today is that the Bible has a lot to say about our words and how we use them. Luke chapter 6 says this, a good man brings good things out of the good that is stored, where? In his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of him that are also stored in his heart. For out of the mouth, the fullness of the heart speaks. You know, before we even get to words, let me just kind of maybe help you realize today that we can often do harm even without using our words. Do you know that? There's such a thing as nonverbal communication. And for those of us that are in the genre of communication, you'll recognize that, that we do and can do sometimes more damage without words than sometimes even with our words. And I'll explain that to you in just a minute. How many have ever heard the phrase, a picture is worth a thousand words? Now, does that picture say anything? No, but what happens? It's interpreted, isn't it? We get a flood of understanding from the picture that we see. The truth is, is that we communicate more deeply with nonverbal communication than with verbal. And the reason that is, is because there is emotion that gets attached, not necessarily from the speaker as much as from the hearer. And so if you're maybe in a marriage or maybe it was uh, the way that you grew up, you realize that at times the way nonverbal communication works is that sometimes not only were things said or implications that were met, but things that went out and you had no idea as to what maybe that person would be. And you might say, well, I never intended it to be that, or I never meant it to to feel that way, but once the words go out, almost like a bullet of a gun, they don't come back. And we never understand maybe the backstory of what that person's life is and what the power of either those words or those expressions could mean to people. I often tell people when we do some marital counseling as well, it's like if you would write an object of, of, of 10,000 words, right? Or, or how many pages would that would be? And, and people would say, well, I never meant it like that. that that's what, not what I was trying to do. But yet at times through looks or sounds or tones, we are communinating powerful words that bring devastation to a lot of people. So especially those of you that are in relationships today, this might help you more than others, whether it's in a mirror relationship or maybe between uh, parents and kids or whatever, and and how all this interaction works. You sometimes just looks can kill somebody, right? And that's not just in the positive sense, right? Like, wow, they're so good looking, right? No, sometimes in the negative sense, how many know that looks can kill? And sometimes that means by just rolling your eyes at someone, Right? I mean, I'm talking about kind of in a meaningful, emotional way. Probably one of the more damaging features of my relationship with Debbie early on was that was me. That oftentimes I was communicating non verbally and I was hurting Debbie by sometimes just this eye roll kind of thing. And you say, well, Pastor, you didn't even say anything. I didn't have to, I was saying something. And it wasn't by the way of the speaker, but it was by the way of the, the hearer or the listener. And it was communicating a lot of things to Debbie. There may be something that she said or something that she did, and and I did the classic eye roll. And it hurt her. And I didn't at times, at the beginning, would say that I didn't even know I was doing it, but I couldn't use that excuse forever. And it brought some painful things into her life because it brought some emotion that she felt disapproved by me or the thing that she said or the things that she did. And I could say all day long, but I didn't mean that, but it's too late. And so I want you to know in relationships, relationship, sometimes just looks or maybe mean stares or some disapproving sense about people can do harm or damage in a relationship. How about sounds? I'm just talking about like guttural sounds, right? Maybe when somebody says something and and you just kind of give the old. You're like, pastor, I didn't say anything. Like, I don't know what they got all offended about. But how many know a simple, when somebody is like trying to communicate or do something and you just give an old. I must be hitting some notes here today, right? Because you're getting it. Just the fact that sometimes those guttural sounds or those huffs and puffs Are they not saying something? You bet they are, right? Or how about even the tone in which we say something, right? How many have ever, when you were growing up, your parents said to you, maybe your mom or dad, you watch your tone with me, anybody? Yeah, you see, sometimes it's even that speaks louder than even the words that we are going to use. So I want you to know that we have various ways in which we communicate with people that not only the words that we say, but how we say them has a way of wrecking relationships. And not even so much that those that we would talk about that are among you, among your family or in your marriage, but what we want to concentrate today about is how that happens in the family of God as well. What does the Bible say about how we as God's people interact with one another, whether in these ways as well. So I want to talk about today some internal communication, the power of our words internally. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 18, 21, that the tongue has the power of life and death. It's pretty big stuff. It's not just the words that we say, but how we use them. Has the power of what? The power of life or of death. Jack Hayford, a pretty famous pastor, fortunately just passed away a number of maybe weeks or months ago, was a great pastor, was a, a, wrote a lot of our early worship music, and a great communicator. He wrote this. He said, it happened one afternoon, right after I drove away from the church. I was just leaving my office, and I pulled out of the parking lot and was headed down the street, and directly ahead of me, another driver did a bizarre stunt with his vehicle, nearly causing a horrible collision. I was so angry at the craziness of it, and there I was, alone in my car, that I yelled out in frustration and fury, you idiot! He said, not being a profane person, I saw the words as only indicating my indignation at the recklessness of the driver. I had my windows closed, and so I supposed that my comment was somehow an allowable sense of venting my anger at what I had just seen. However, immediately I discovered that God did not agree with my understanding as to my recent outburst, and the Holy Spirit instantly gripped my soul with a chastening. He said, I have created no one, no human being with that description. He said, but I decided to fight back with God, anybody? So I fought back with the Holy Spirit, and I said, what difference do my words make? nobody else was in the car the driver didn't hear me no one heard me and then I felt the gentle tap on my shoulder again and realized oh, somebody did hear me God heard me you see a lot of times we feel like we have cornered the market on words as to when we can use them how we can use them what comes out in those moments and and how attacking or harmful they can be, whether it's with our partner, whether it's over our kids, whether it's in our work environments. And we can always tag them as, well, they're just words. But I want you to know, as the Bible says, these words have the power of what? Life or death. You see, the power of words have existed long before you and I. We have not cornered the market on words, So, let me take you all the way back to the beginning, to the book of Genesis, to the very beginning chapters of our history of humankind. And let me give you a couple of examples about the power of words and how God has implemented them for your life and mine. The first thing that we read about from the very beginning of Scripture, first of all, is that God spoke. In fact, the truth is, is that everything that we see Everything that has been created, God didn't do it with a a pen. God didn't do it with tools or with cranes and bulldozers. Everything that God created this world and how we are hung in this space and universe and everything that is out there, the Bible says that God spoke it into existence. Power in words. Everything exists came by His Word. And then the second truth is is that as our world came into existence and everything that was then being formed is that then God blessed this creation. Not only did he create it, but with his words he blessed it. And so after everything that God created, he declared what? It is good. God says, what I have created, this and the substance and what it will do and what it is dying to do, I declare it is good. And then God made us. And at the end of making man and woman, God said, not only is it good, but he declared over humankind, what? That it is very good. You see, when God creates, God has A desire to bless and to give life. That his words uh, have the power to give life. Not just to our existence, but his declaration over our life. And when we use words that are disparaging over God's creation, we go against God's divine design for mankind. And listen, the more that we do it in a disparaging way, in a negative way, can I tell you, the easier it is. The names that we call people, the indictment that we use against people, and the same thing that Jack Hayford heard in his spirit. Listen, some of us need to be more in tune to the Holy Spirit as to the words that we use against people as well. Say amen or don't. Because what God has created, God has declared over us. He blesses and then he affirms. You see, our words in God's declaration over everything within his creation, first of all, is that we are to edify and to build up. That is the power of words that God created from his heart to your heart and my heart. And so I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. In fact, that's what's going to surround a little bit of our communion time today. Really, what are the power of my words and where they come from? What would people say about my words? Am I an edifier? Am I a blesser? Am I one that lifts people? It's like knives, like they never have anything good, nothing positive. It's just always bad that comes out of their mouth. But we recognize God used the power of words to bless and to declare, to edify, and to build up. Listen, I recognize that in some senses for us and maybe hearing this or letting this get to our hearts, that on the onset of that, it may not be you were nurtured in their childhood or in their home with people that were able to declare and to use words that edify. There are a lot of people that, grew up in houses, that the power of words that really disparaged them, that, that spoke against them, that crushed their heart or crushed their spirits, they, they lived in an environment and the more that you hang around that, the more it can become a part of you as well. One of the things that I've kind of joked a little bit about, you can pray for me the more I hang around these cops uh, on a regular basis. uh, Because sometimes the words that they use are way different than the words that I grew up with. And the more that I hang around them, I'm praying to God every day that I don't come to real life and use some of those words that I am now hearing all the time. So if I do make a slip on a Sunday, give me a little bit of grace, all right? That's really not me, right? I'm just trying to connect. I, just talking about that, man, I, I had a great couple of days. In fact, Tom, uh, I don't think, is able to make it today, but, but Officer Tom um, runs the police athletically, the POW program, one of the things that we're going we're gonna to bless um, this quarter with. And and I think this is the fourth camp that, that he's run for the summer. And and so all this week, they brought in, I think, about 150, 160 kids from the inner city. Gannon University opened up their doors, uh, and, and a lot of the other officers and community leaders to, just to invest and pour um, into these kids. And I had a, got a chance to hang out. In fact, I think, Jim, maybe we'll show a couple of pictures um, of just what had transpired this week, and just amazing the the, the time that... That these officers put in about this generation. And, and when I talk to the chief and when I talk to others higher in the administration, um, in fact, one gentleman told me this week, he said, listen, what's happening now in Erie, we may not see the results for another 15 years, but, but the city of Erie is going to be way different in 15 years because of the investment that we are putting into the lives of these kids right now. The garbage and the junk that they hear on the streets are being replaced by blessing and by edification and people that are willing to hear and listen and take the time. But as I, as I got in um, one of the days this week, there was kind of a different atmosphere when I walked in. And when I saw them, Tom had all of them, 150, 160 kids, kind of in a horseshoe around him, and he was giving them the business. And I walked in, and and boy, you know, even the older officers, they were just kind of like buzzing a little bit. I said, what's going on? He said, well, there was a fight that happened today, and Tom is like going off on him, right? And it was all about words. Now, the day prior to this, I showed up and kind of unannounced, Officer Tom said, hey, it's great to have Pastor Jim with us today. I'm sure he's here. He wants to say some awesome things to you guys today. No setup, no idea that was coming, right? Like, thank you. And so, and unfortunately, there's just a lot of circumstances now for Tom not to be here today, but I told the kids, I said, listen, Officer Tom comes to my church, and I get to talk to everybody on Sunday, and he sits in the back. I said, so how many know what payback is, right? And I told Officer Tom, I can't wait for Sunday, man. I'm calling you out, and you're coming up. How amazing, right, that he didn't show up today, Right? No, he had some really important things going on. Um, but he talked that day, there were, and, and he talked about their words towards one another, and how disruptive and how destructive it would be not only today, but for the rest of their lives. And, and little did he know that I was already going to be taking this time with you today in the same way to talk about our words and kids oftentimes can be brutal. How many know? You, if you endured elementary school or middle school or junior high or whatever, right? Sticks and stones. We've been brutalized by names that were called, that we were called. Little things that were wrong. In fact, as part of the camp, there were some autistic kids that, again, the, the, the program has formed in such a way because these kids that have, quote, disabilities, are different, are even more ostracized, right? Or made fun of more because they, they can't maybe participate or whatever. And Tom has had a way for some of those kids that, that even have special needs, are, are embraced and are involved even more and are highlighted, You see, because sometimes growing up as a kid, and some of you as adults today are still struggling over words that were spoken over you. Maybe in your home, names that you were called in grade school, that still today, if you would hear that word, it still brings a shudder to you. There is power in words. They bring life, or they can bring death. And it's been amazing that as we edify and especially this week. You see, whatever was built in us, be it beautiful or distorted, is directly related to the power of the words that have influence over us. You see, in God's declaration over mankind, not only did He call us to edify, to build each other up, but to identify God's purpose and calling not only over our life, but to those who are under our shield as well. The Bible says that God called us. God called man. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter one that let us make man in our own image. That was Imajo Dei in the Hebrew. Let us make man. Let's make this connection, not physically or not outwardly, but. Inwardly, I want to breathe into him the presence and the power of godliness over their lives. And unfortunately, you and I have allowed so much of the world to creep into us that what comes out of us is not imago day but it is the power of this world that is bringing destruction and difficulty in homes and situations. And only when we recognize my power of my words bring life or death do we recognize that we fulfill God's original. Original plan and purpose for who we are, our identity to others that are around us. I want you to understand that there is nothing that God has ever done that is random. God does everything with purpose. And when he created man, and when he created woman, and when he breathed into us the living spirit of God, it was for purpose to bless, and to edify, and to lift up, and to get rid of what is rotten out of our carnal, sinful nature, and again let heaven come into our lives and breathe upon those that are under our tent today. It was this identification, not just in a sense of observation, but in a way that we designate people. And that simply means how we value one another and how we value the house of God. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. You see, bondage in this life is often a result of the way human words have identified a person and how we have reacted to that. If maybe words that were said over us, maybe from a a parent, a sibling, a teacher, a friend, if they were full of self-worth and a sense of blessing that we recognize that we tend to live in that area. We tend to recognize that that blessing that, that came to us, that we have an opportunity now to ride in the midst of that wave that has been created in our life. Never perfect, maybe, or, or maybe never a for sure, but, but we've been given the advantage about what the power of these words have been able to do in our life. But then on the other side, we realize that if we grew up in an environment where it was depreciating, where, where it was difficult, where words that made us feel inadequate or felt like we were lost or lonely or, or a loser or whatever that would be, our value was, was of nothing, that sometimes that is such a hard bump to get people out of that, it seems like they can only see the, the down or the negative of life, and that there is no hope or no advantage to them. Why? Because the power of words, especially at an influential part in our life, that were spoken over us. There are some that have taken those negative words and and have had somewhat even of the the inward fortitude or maybe by the, the comment of others to motivate them to get out of the situation they were in. They use the power of words, sometimes even negatively, to change the atmosphere that they are in. And some of you are probably a product of that even today. But God's word not only was to edify, was not only to identify but also to multiply. God has endowed us with the power, I want you to think about this, to bring life in only of one of two ways or the power of both of these ways that that we understand in our life. And that means that we have understanding that life comes biologically Right, That God has given the ability between a man and a woman in that relationship to be able to birth forth life. But a second way that is available to all of us is verbally as well. It's the only time that scripture says that man has been given the power to dispense life. Through the creation of sexual relationship between a husband and a wife and Verbally, I want you to think about that with me. You see, for most of us that, that again, in fact, today, I think one of our officers today, Emerson and Kaylee, are are at the hospital about to give birth to a baby girl today. That when we all see that, we think about the wonder and the the power of birth. When we hold those little babies in our arms, we are marveled at the possibilities that, that brought all of this to fact. And we look at this life, and we are awed, In the life-giving power. But I want you to think about that same example in the way that you and I use our words. I wonder, would our family today still be in awe? Would our kids still find the blessing that you spoke over them when they when you held them in your arms? and we could talk about well pastor jim i mean it's stressful my job it's this it's that listen we can fill ourselves with thousands of excuses but the fact of scripture is is that god has called us not just to multiply life creatively but life verbally as well is with the power of our words that have the ability what to bring life or to t- we are accountable for the words that come out of our mouth. Oh, but they didn't mean anything. No one was there. Out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks. You see, the issue isn't here. James talks a lot about it. That's the end focal point. But the origin is here. And I wonder, what would your work partner say about you? What would your family, what would your kids say about the words that you use? What about the looks that you give? I think one of the things, unfortunately, that ultimately, when I really had to open myself up to God, what Debbie had had to tell me over and over again, those looks are killing me. And, and it was to the point where I didn't even know I was doing it. It had, it had become routine for me. You see, whether it's nonverbal or verbal, the prayer today is let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O oh God, and to my family that is the family of God today. We sing the song, haven't done it for a while, but became pretty, pretty famous a few years ago called The Blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you from generation to generation to generation. Listen, it was more than a song. It was a mandate about how we bless those that are under our tent, how we stand with those who are part of the family of God, that we speak words of blessing, not words of curse. You say, well, Pastor, what? I mean, you know, we don't talk like that. What do you mean like the church, the the cursing. Let me talk to you about verbal assassination, and let me talk to you about what the Bible does talk about as it relates to the house of God. There are at least two things that the Bible draws out to the church. We read it over and over again in the New Testament, and it's the thought of gossip and slander. In fact, if you would read Romans chapter 1 especially the second half of Romans chapter 1, it's where God pronounces curse upon those. In fact, he gets to the point where he says, I'm going to just turn you over to your depraved mind. A lot of people say, does God ever give up on a person? And I say, no, God never gives up on a person until until somebody says, God, in my own mind, I need you no longer, I want you no longer, right? Right? When, when we move God, when we, when we articulate to God, stay out of my life, and we continue to go down that pathway, at some point, God is going to say, I'll give you then what you want. And when we read the end of Romans chapter 1, the culture in which we're living, we're crying out to God, get away from us. Leave us alone. And mixed in with all of the things that brought demise to the word world and to the church, what you will find is God's pronouncement against gossip and slander. He speaks it to them. If you want destruction within the house of God, then you will allow gossip and slander to exist. So I think when we talk about gossip, we all probably understand that a bit. So what is it? Well, it first of all comes by way of intent. Gossipers often have a goal of building themselves up while making other people look bad. They exalt themselves while destroying someone else. Or sometimes it's by the type of information that is shared. Oftentimes when we gossip, we speak of the failings and the faults of others. We reveal potentially embarrassing or shameful details regarding their lives without them knowing about it or without their approval. And people might say, well, I didn't intend any harm. Or maybe we say, hey, did you hear? We might not know all of the facts, but we want to make sure that, hey, this might This might have some effect on somebody, and we're just going to kind of let some of that information slip. So let me give you this to understand, like, am I a gossip? Here's how you'll know. If you are not part of the problem or the solution, and you are talking about it, you are a gossip. If you are not part of the problem or the solution, and you are talking about it in any way or form, you are a gossip. Do you know what the Bible says of what the heart of a gossiper is for? For the fire of hell. You can read it. Read Romans chapter 1. We'll read about it in Ephesians. God doesn't mince words. Pun intended. When it comes to the idea of gossip. And he is talking not about those out there. He's talking about us in here. Do you know how to stop gossip? You just tell the person who's talking to you about stuff that you don't have any reason to be involved in. That you're not a part of the problem. You're not a part of the solution. You look at them and say... Thank you, but I don't want to hear what you're talking about. That's how you stop gossip. It's not on me to further the things that are being said. And if you love God, if you love the house of God, then you need to stand up for your family, for your pastor, for your leaders. That if anything like that comes up, to say, I need to stop you right there. And put an end to it. A second thing that the Bible talks about to the house of God is slander. And again, we might not use that word very often. or We might think that that sounds very legal or or court. But the Bible talks about it. And that is when we assassinate someone's character or we try to ruin their good name. And the Bible, again, calls it a work of the devil. Where does it come from? comes from here. Slander is simply lying about someone with the intent of causing others to view that person in a negative light. Listen, I can tell you, like, certainly for Debbie and I, when when you get into a public setting or pastoring or whatever, you are going to get slandered against. People are going to talk garbage about you. People are going to want to harm you, probably for a lot of people, not just me, but a lot of people. And I've had people, even while we've been in here in Erie, that have slandered me, that they've, they're, they're just trying to spread words or rumors or causing enough just to make people wonder or doubt or to question. You see, and, and the point is, is that we recognize, first of all, we need to live a life that's worthy. And I always kind of feel like, listen, people that know me, know me right, and hopefully the, the same can be said of you, and I also realize that God will fight my battles, that God will vindicate me or vindicate you, right, that I want to make sure that, listen, if that's going to be on them and whatever that's going to do, it might cause harm. God's not necessarily, I don't live in a bubble. You don't live in a bubble, Right? So it will and can bring harm and can try to ruin your reputation. And in the moment, it can be hurtful and harmful and tears can be shed. But the challenge for you and I is that we not retaliate, that we recognize that God will vindicate, that God will fight my battles. That comes by discipline and by growth. And that's by recognizing that we have people and we live in an environment that we are called to bless and to edify, and that that is ultimately what wins. You see, God's answer to the house of God when it comes to our words and the way that we use them is for love and for unity. Listen, unity in the church is not unison. You got me? We don't all have to agree. That's okay if you don't agree. That's my leadership at times or things that happen and, and, and you may challenge. Listen, that's... that's That's fine. That's that's human. That's okay to do that. But we recognize that God does have our hearts connected in unity. That, listen, we may disagree, but we're going to live in harmony, and we're going to live in love, and we're going to do our best to kind of see the best case scenario work out of that, because that's what the family of God should represent, I know a lot of people talk about, I had a conversation with somebody this week, and at times a lot of churches can feel, and I hear the word clicky. And listen, I'm, I, I certainly, I think I can brag on you and on us. I, I recognize that wherever there is a group of people, that, that sometimes people in, in their emotion or in their struggle to connect or whatever, that's a very easy thing to say, oh, they're just clicky. And whatever church or whatever organization or group, that's kind of an easy give. And I think we have to not let people get away with that, but find out like deeper, like what is going on? Is that really true? And I could tell you that I would say more times, way more times than not, that the loving impression that you give to people represent the true sense of who real life is, and I, I do want to compliment you and thank you. I, I, the guests that I get a chance to talk to, whether on a weekly or a monthly basis, tell me over and over again that we walked in the door and five people, six people came to us right away and greeted us or said hello to us or, or we felt connected Right away. I'm sure we don't do it perfectly all the time, but by and far, again, you have allowed yourself to provide unity and love and harmony. And for that, I say thank you for being not only a representative of Debbie and I and of real life, but truly of what the family of God is all about. And I want to say these words today, which are at times directed and harsh, so that we recognize that we have a lifestyle to fulfill to our community and to our world. What the Bible says to us, that the words of our mouth are pleasing to God. You see, these things are what break the unity of the church and where breaks the heart of God. Let me give you just one more verse, and then I'm going to ask the band. In fact, why don't don't they just come to help me this morning? The Bible tells us this in Ephesians chapter 4. So do not let any, can everybody say any? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that that is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit all of those who are listening. In fact, when Paul was reading these words or saying these words, giving them out to the Ephesian church, The whole point of Ephesians is affirming to them to say, listen, at one time we had an old life, but now through Christ we have an opportunity for a brand new life, the point. Read through Ephesians, you will see continual contrast that Paul makes the point. We used to be this, but now that we claim to be a follower of Jesus, we need to live this way. How many are glad for some positive change that Jesus brought into your life? That some of us could be Ephesians today, right? And say, man, before Christ, I was this. But thank God, I'm much more like this. You see, they were a church that were verbally destroying one another. And Paul got to the point to say, let the words of your mouth now Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. That's who you used to be. But now through the power of Christ, our words need to be helpful for building each other up according to their needs so it will benefit everyone who listens. You know, when we think about names... How hurtful, how harmful. Maybe for some of us still today, we maybe it's been a long time, but we hear that word. We hear that name. And it takes us back. And maybe wounds that we thought were healed just have a way of, of maybe opening up again. And I pray today that you will understand that God's blessing and God's love over you is his desire to wash away the old and to make you emotionally and in your verbiage and in your hearts, not only to what we can consume but to what we can contribute, well, that which would be a blessing to those that are in the family of God that out of our pain and out of our scar that we will allow God not only to heal us but from bitter water make sweet water. You know, somebody said emotionally that hurt people hurt people. That may be true but here's another truth that I know. Healed people help to heal people. And we do that with our words. We do that with our touch. We do that with our look. We affirm the value that God has placed on every one of you. Listen, what you and I heard on the school playground is not what the heavens have declared over your life. You are valued, you are worth. You see, whatever name maybe has derailed us today, the Bible tells us this in Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, God has exalted him and given him the highest place. And he gave him, say it with me, the the name. You didn't say it loud enough, so you're going to have to say it again. And God gave him the Name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, listen what happens at the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and that every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Amen. And so as we close service today, I'm going to ask those of you that maybe are watching online today and those of you that are in the house that if you've been prepared we have these little communion packets some of you watch your words trying to open these things up sometimes too, all right? Because they can be challenging. And so how we're going to close this morning, and maybe some of you kind of have grown up in church where communion was done maybe a variety of ways. And, and so sometimes at real life we, we may do it a little bit differently as well. And today's probably going to be one of these Sundays. So I'm gonna ask the worship team, they're just gonna lead us in a moment and we've tried to purposely be done just a few minutes early just to allow us to meditate on are we a pretty ugly person? And maybe we could look back in the idea of maybe our jealousy or envy or anger or greed or my words. The Bible tells us this in Ephesians chapter 11. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, as it relates to communion. Paul was given this word for the church. So we know the example of Jesus sharing it with the disciples, but then later on to the Corinthian church, Paul writes this to the church. He said, in the following directives, I have no praise for you, for when you gather together in church, you are doing more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there is division among you. This church had lost its unity. Maybe it was gossip. Maybe it was slander. Maybe it was picking on people. Maybe it was cliques. And rather than Paul just kind of brushing over it, Paul put his finger on it. See, the people of God... This doesn't happen. The church of God, the family of God, this doesn't happen. And he said, I believe it. No doubt there have become differences among you, and this does not show God's approval to the family of God. So when you come, many of you, to eat the Lord's Supper, you do so wrongfully, and I have no praise for you. So what I have received from the Lord now I give to you. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after supper, he took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. And when you drink it, put all of that garbage away. Stop all of that. And and who directed, who edified, who multiplied, who identified. That's where we put our thoughts. So when whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, I think when I've read that in the past, I've always thought, man, that's like bad sin. That's like, that's not what Paul was talking about. Paul was talking about disunity in the church. Talking about these words, that's what he was talking about. That when you take it unworthily, You bring God's wrath and God's judgment upon you. It certainly can be linked with sin, but in the direct connect, he was saying you as a church, you're violating the love and the unity that Christ came for you about. And God's judgment will be upon you. And so I want to give all of us a few moments. So we understand today that communion is a symbol of what Christ has done for us. And that it's a sacred moment for you and I to remember. In fact, I've told people over the years, we don't often take communion at Real Life on the first Sunday of every month because we don't want it to be a routine. So that when we do it, we want it to be a significant part of our service. I want you to have an opportunity to say, God, examine my heart today. Are the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, are they pleasing and acceptable in your sight? Is there issues of jealousy, of envy, of anger, of greed? Am I pretty on the outside, but not so pretty on the inside? And so I'm going to ask the worship team to come and just lead us for a moment, just to give you some time to pray, to spend time with Jesus. And then you're welcome at any time in these next few moments that you can take the bread in honor of Christ's sacrifice for your life and that you can drink the juice in honor of of Him shedding His blood. And this is a worshipful moment for you. This might be a a repentant moment for some of us. That the Holy Spirit, like Jack Hayford, heard from the Holy Spirit. He does hear the things that I say. He does see the things that aren't so pretty in my life. And today is an opportunity for us to get right with Him in this way. Amen.